recently we've been celebrating the birth of Jesus. And looking around, I can see that we've all celebrated Christmas a lot of times. Not to be too rude, but we have, haven't we? We've celebrated Christmas a lot of times, often with our families and our friends, sometimes with other people as well. But as followers of Christ, Christmas is one of the most important festivals to remember and to celebrate. Today we're going to be using the Gospel of John to help us to think about Christmas a little more. And you thought Christmas was all over, didn't you? Chris, I don't think we can celebrate Christmas enough. So we're going to think about Christmas just a little bit more. And of course, this is just going to be a preamble to the start of our new series of talks, which we'll come to this morning as well. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we know are called the Synoptic Gospels, and we can all look at Jesus' teachings and his ministry in the similar way that they say about. They use roughly the same order of events, and the way they write is perhaps for different people, but their purpose is the same, really, that people would come to know Jesus as their saviour. John's gospel is very different. And so there's some things that are in John's gospel that aren't in the other synoptic gospels, and there's some things that are the same. And what we want to do is just to think, well, what are some of the things that he misses out, John? So John doesn't put anything about Jesus' birth. He doesn't put anything about the temptation of Jesus by the devil. It doesn't talk about Gethsemane and Jesus praying there or the transfiguration. John doesn't even mention the ascension. But John's gospel does include some things that aren't in the other gospels. So, for example, we read about the turning of water into wine in John's gospel, but we don't read about it anywhere else. We read about the I am sayings of Jesus in John's gospel but we don't read about that anywhere else. There's something incredible that happened in a place near Jerusalem. And we're going to be thinking about that in a few minutes. That's going to help us be a pinpoint what's going on today. So, with Christmas in mind, let's briefly look at just three different scriptures from the writings of John. The word became flesh and took up residence among us, We observed his glory, the glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So he doesn't talk about Jesus being born, but kind of this is about the incarnation, about the word coming to earth and becoming flesh. How about another one? John 10.10, this is from the Amplified Bible. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I, that's Jesus, came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. One more. Now the Son of God came to earth with the express purpose of liquidating the devil's activities. And that's 1 John 3 verse 8. So hopefully to you, it's as clear as day that Jesus didn't just come to earth to teach and heal people, And to give them a nice feeling. Jesus had a mission. His mission was to destroy death, sin 
and the devil. We all know that as we're human, sin affects us all. Sin, I think, is like a metaphorical chain that disables us to varying degrees. I'm wearing chains I can't really do very easily the normal things in life if I want to make scrambled egg on toast it's a bit difficult to do scrambled egg on toast wearing chains if I want to give Jill a hug she's my wife by the way if you don't know it's a bit hard to hug Jill wearing chains it's a bit hard to play the piano. It's not impossible. I tried it this week. But, <laughs> but, it's, but it's harder to play the piano wearing chains. A chain stops me from living life as I want it to be. The Greek verb, luo, is one that's often is translated as destroyed. And in uh, Philip, the Philip's New Testament... Uh, J.B. Phillips calls it liquidate. But it also, also can mean dissolve, loose, untie, release, let go or break. And figuratively, it can mean to release from what has been held back. This is all the Greek verb, luo. Jesus came to release us from the very real chains of sin, death and the activities of the devil. You can see these chains. And I want to suggest to all of us that we all wear chains. Maybe it's something that someone told you or said about you years ago. Maybe a friend, someone at work or school. They said something that was really horrible. And you still remember it. And it stopped you from living your life as God intends it to be. You tried something and someone just made fun of you for trying it. We're all living with chains. But Jesus came to liquidate the devil's activities. Perhaps you tell lies to yourself. Nobody loves me. I'll never amount to much. I'm no good. These are all chains. They're all lies. Jesus came to liquidate these chains, to liquidate the lies of the devil. Remember the chains that we wear inhibitors from doing what God really wants us to do. They hold us back. They tie us down. Jesus came so that we don't need to wear chains. Jesus came to liquidate the activity of the devil in our life.
God didn't intend for any of us to wear chains. God came so that we might enjoy and have life and have it in abundance. This month and next month, we're going to be looking at various people who met Jesus. Now, we know if you've read the Gospels, Jesus met loads of people while he was here physically on earth. But what happened to those people when they met Jesus? How did they respond to him? What were some of the circumstances that were they were in when they encountered the saviour of the world? What chains were they wearing before they met Jesus? And what did Jesus do about those chains? How did Jesus release them from the chains they were wearing? Probably you remember loads of different people that Jesus met in the Bible. Some bowed down and worshipped him, didn't they? They said, you are the Lord, you are the Saviour, you are the Christ, and they worshipped him. Some people left everything they had and became fishers of men. Some people left everything and even died because they met Jesus and they knew that they had to do that, that God was calling them not to sacrifice their own desires, but to just go with him. Some people felt threatened by Jesus 2,000 years ago. And maybe they might have said, oh, we really implore you, leave this region. Don't come here. We don't want you. Perhaps if you're in Jerusalem, you might have said and heard other people said, crucify him. Because that was another response from people, weren't it? Crucify him. Pontius Pilate asked the question, and that was the response for some people meeting Jesus. The first person we're going to meet over these next few weeks lived in Bethany. And this is a place that's about two miles away from Jerusalem, on the southeastern slope of the Mount of Olives. It's now in the West Bank. If you've read the New Testament a fair bit, you'll probably remember that there's three siblings, especially, that we see who live in Bethany. And we're going to concentrate on one of them this morning. Lazarus. Lazarus met Jesus. And what we're going to do today is think about what happened when Lazarus met Jesus. There are two Lazaruses in the Bible. One's an imaginary one, and Jesus talked about him in Luke chapter 16. And the other Lazarus is very real. And we read about him in John chapter 11 and John chapter 12. Unlike some of you, I've never seen a dead person. But I know that my four grandparents died in four different decades, the 1960s, the 1970s, the 1980s, and the 1990s. So when I went to my grandma's funerals, grandma's S apostrophe, because it's plural, 
uh, when I went to their, uh, their funerals in 1986 and 1995, I knew that the undertakers had screwed down the lid of the coffin because my grandmas were dead and dead people are dead, aren't they? They don't want to get out of the coffin because they can't. They're dead. And so the undertaker would screw the lid and that's all perfectly fine and lovely because you don't expect a dead person to come out of the coffin. Lazarus was dead when Jesus arrived in Bethany. Remember, you don't expect a dead person to get out of the coffin or to get out of the tomb or get out of the cave. It doesn't happen. A dead person is dead. But that's not what happened. Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, were really good friends with Jesus. At the beginning of John chapter 11, Lazarus is ill. And in verse 3, the two sisters send a message to Jesus. And they said, the one who you love is ill. And it's the Greek word philio that's used here. And that means to cherish, to love, or to regard with affection. They would have known each other well. I think that Lazarus and his two sisters would have seen Jesus teach many times. They would have seen him do miracles many times. I don't think it's any stretch of the imagination that Lazarus and his two sisters were part of the 5,000 that Jesus fed. I think that's perfectly feasible. I think Lazarus and Mary and Martha might have been at Cana when Jesus turned the water into wine. They were his followers. They would have gone with him. It's possible. I think they would have had Jesus, sort of really strong ideas about Jesus being the Messiah and what he was like. But there was one thing that happened. Lazarus dies. It was several days before Jesus got to Bethany. And I've never been to Israel. Maybe some of you have. Most of us have been to hot countries because it's even hot in this country now and again. But in Israel, it was hot. And so after four days of Lazarus being dead, his body would have started to decompose. There's a Greek verb again, ozo. And it's only used once in the New Testament. And it's here in John chapter 11, verse 39. And it means to emit an odour, to stink, to be offensive. And I know I read lots of different versions of the Bible. And in the King James, it, said, it says that Lazarus would stinketh. I think that is so true. I love that word. And, and sometimes when I'm just talking to Jill, I would add ETH to words, just because I think it's a lot of fun. And because I read the King James sometimes, so it makes me think like that. But Lazarus stinketh because he was dead. It wasn't like the other people that uh, oh, Jesus rose from the dead, uh, raised from the dead. These, the widow's son at Nan and Jairus' daughter, they just only just become dead. And so some people say, oh, they weren't really dead. They were just having a nap and Jesus made it all happen. I think that's a load of baloney, really, because Jesus, the Bible says these people 
the, the last two were dead. And Jesus brought them back from the dead. The Bible says it. I believe it. But the thing is, Lazarus had been dead four days. He stinketh and his body was decomposing. Jesus commanded Lazarus to come back to life. What could Lazarus do? He had to obey. He had to do what Jesus said. He came out of the tomb with his death shroud on him and a a mask on his face. Probably walking like a penguin or something like that, wasn't it? But he would have been walking like this. How did he feel? What about his siblings, Mary and Martha? How did they feel? They knew that Jesus could heal. But what a miracle that was. When I was listening to music in the 1980s, yes, I did listen to music in the 1980s, there was this brilliant chap, an American musician called Carmen. And you might have heard of him as well. And he wrote a song talking about Lazarus rising from the dead. I watched it yesterday. It stirs you. It was brilliant. And so on this Tuesday Cummings email, I've already put the link. So if you want to have a look at this uh, song by Carmen, and you just think, oh, yeah, that's really brilliant, then it will encourage you if you want to have a look at that. Obviously, you can find it before, but I thought I'd make it easier. So Jesus brought Lazarus from the dead. Jesus said, Come forth, Lazarus. The chains of death that Lazarus was wearing had to go. Because Jesus said, come forth, Lazarus. Death had to submit to Jesus. Because Jesus is Lord of all. I've read accounts of miracles in the Bible many times. And throughout history, I don't want to stop God doing miracles in the Neaton in the 21st century. I know that God can use all of us in supernatural and natural ways, whether we're here in the Neaton or somewhere else. I want us all to be open to what God wants us to do, to pray for people. To pray for big prayers. I think that's something that Jill mentioned earlier. We need God in this borough. We as followers of Jesus need to be open so that whatever he says, we will do. Lazarus came forth because Jesus told him to. Of course, other people were nearby. And some became believers because they knew that Jesus was the Messiah. The religious authorities didn't want Jesus doing things like that. They were angry. Jesus was taking their power away from them. They wanted Jesus dead because of what he'd done with Lazarus. They also wanted Lazarus dead because of what they'd done. People were believing in God because of this miracle, and they didn't want that to happen. The Jewish leaders were threatened by this. 
it wouldn't be long, just a few days before Jesus was in Jerusalem. And then there would be the crucifixion. I wonder if Lazarus and his sisters were in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified. I wonder if they were in Jerusalem when Jesus showed himself to them after his resurrection. Were they some of the disciples that Jesus saw and they saw Jesus? I want to be ready to do what Jesus says. Whether it's normal and predictable or something where I think, wow, are you calling me to do that? Are you calling so-and-so to do that? Lord, I want to be ready. I want to be obedient. Do you want to obey God today? We don't serve a historical God who was only active thousands of years ago. God is doing mighty things around the world today. God is transforming situations today. God is transforming people today. God is doing things in our lives today as well. Sometimes when you watch films, you see people's bedrooms and they might have a a picture on the wall of a rock star or a sports star. And they're just saying to their friends, oh, look at that picture. I, I really think they're brilliant. And they might know a lot about their albums or their match statistics. But that's as far as it goes. They follow their idol but they don't really do everything and eat the same breakfast cereal and, well, perhaps some do, but not many. Most people just do it a little bit, don't they? We can't be just fans of Jesus. We can't just wear a cross or have a cross in our room or in our house somewhere and say that's it. To follow Jesus, we have to be obedient to him. When Jesus says, come forth, Like Lazarus, we have to stand up and say, Lord, I'm coming. What do you want me to do? Jesus wants to meet all of us today. And he says, come as you are. And earlier we thought about these verses being about Christmas. But it's not really just about Christmas, is it? These verses we thought about for every day of our life. We don't just think about chains now and again, but every day we can be praying for people, strangers, friends, family, and saying, Lord, will you release those people from their chains? Lord, will you do something in their lives that people will say, that's impossible. How did that happen? And all we can say is, that was a miracle. God did something amazing. Because God is alive and God is transforming people. Jesus came that our lives would be revolutionised. Not that we'd be happy in a rut, singing sometimes about God or praying sometimes or reading the Bible sometimes. Jesus came so that our chains could leave us and be dissolved and liquidated. And that we could bear the cross of Jesus instead. Jesus wants to take away the chains that you are wearing today. Jesus 
wants to meet us every day. So let's be prepared for that. As we pray, as we read the Bible today and tomorrow and the next day, let's say, Lord, I submit to you. Can you hear God calling your name now? Will you embrace him? Will you come forth like Lazarus? Or will you put him at arm's length and saying, I can hear you, but it's too difficult what you want me to do. Can you hear Jesus calling you now to a life of obedience and a life of intimacy with him? Jesus is calling your name. So let's pray together. And then we're going to respond with some songs and we're going to respond as well by listening to some short testimonies. I'm going to say, Lord, I want to meet with you. I want to come forth just like Lazarus did. So, Lord, we do thank you that over these next few weeks, we're going to meet a lot of people who met you. As Lazarus came forth and you took off his chains of death, Lord, we thank you that you came to earth to liquidate the, the works of the devil. In our lives, Lord, we are sorry for wearing chains. We give them to you and say, Lord, will you come and help us? Help us focus our lives on you. Help us, Lord, to live our lives for you. Amen.